Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to The Promise and a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett as ever after Man United take one, maybe one and a half steps into a Carabao Cup final after beating Nottingham Forest 3-0 at the City Ground on Wednesday night. A relatively comfortable win, barring a scare in the first half. Mm. Uh, a goal that shouldn't have been offside, uh, but, you know, it it was along the rules, along the lines of uh, the, the modern-day offside rule with VAR, etc., etc. United got a bit of a let-off there, uh, but comfortable in the end, Rob. Uh, good night overall, wasn't it? Yes, and it was offside. Like that much offside is offside. Like, I it shouldn't have, have been this... offside, though, is what I, I was trying to say. I, I, I always, I think Roy Keane as well said it after the game. Went, oh, that shouldn't really be offside in in the the annals of football. Well, it was offside. So like, it's a, it's a yes or no answer. Maybe I think they could change that law where you maybe take it from the foot, which is what Arsene Wenger tried to introduce a year or so ago. But yeah, it's offside, man. Like, like not it, it is. Don't like, make the what, run. Just what I'm slow saying it down. is. Yeah, it, it is offside according to the yeah. rules. However, the player shouldn't have been offside because he should have been more careful not to be offside. Totally. It's like the handball rule, isn't it? Does the hand begin here or does it begin up here? Or uh, uh, It's like, if the rule is here, it's here. That's it. Like, hits your arm, it's handball. People, I know there's a gripe about it all the time. Poor VAR. Because VAR played a blinder for us last night. I was happy when that was offside and really gutted when Nottingham Forest walked through the whole Man United team from the back end to the to their goal to our goal and scoring in that moment where I didn't think Forrest deserved it. I don't know what you thought, Scott. Nah, not really. Um, I thought United it, good good night's work though, yeah, as we're talking about that. Three nil. Uh, and again, just well staged managed, something that Man United are becoming much better at. That you start these games beforehand expecting to see it. And at the end of games you're going, that was good, you know, against these kind of sides, you've got to go there and exert your will. Eric Ten Hag, before the game, was asked about the semi-final <laughs> curse. Yes. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember that. people used to talk about that. Yeah. That was weird. Semi-final that was the, curse. I think it was like the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer curse yeah, in many ways. Like, you know, not being able to have the intestinal fortitude in the moment to go the final mile. But I think this United team, there are... It, it's one of these things that we're narrowing down the parameters of what's good and what's bad at United. So there's lots of good stuff now we're seeing and stuff that we haven't seen over a long time. There's little bugbears, which I'm sure we'll talk about today. I've certainly got my own where I look at it in pure football terms. Rob's going to get angry today. You're going to have to get better at that. I'm not going to get angry. I'm just going to be assertive. Judge in the comments if you think Rob's going to be angry (laughs) after after we do the, the section. Winning is great, but, and there's always a but, 
if there's little things that happen repeatedly all the time as a manager and as a coaching team, you have to address that over the next, say, six months. So it's not something you fix tomorrow, but it comes through training, but it also comes through being honest. I think you have to be honest about what you're good and what you're bad at. And there's still some things, I think, on the ball where Man United are a little bit, I would say, sixth to 10th place in the Premier League in terms of like ball work, you know, because off the ball, they're fantastic now, which is what I've... I've been dying to see for so long a modern team playing modern tactics off ball where you have that press. Man United are actually quite good at pressing now, which is not something we would have said not so long ago. Yeah, it's a Thursday today we're recording. Usually record on Tuesdays and Fridays, but we thought since uh, United have just won a game in the Cup on a Wednesday night, I had a free morning. And it is probably best that we get it to you. If we're going to talk about the Forest game, it's probably better to do it today than tomorrow. Uh, so yes, uh, Tuesdays and Fridays usually we drop the podcast, but this week is Tuesday, Thursday. Subscribe to our show wherever you get your pods and Apple, Google, Spotify and the likes and head over to YouTube as well because we're over there. And today we've got our, our nice background. And I know that people have said to me in the recent past that, no, Scott, I'm used to you being on the other side of the recording. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yes, I'm, I'm back at the front end today <laughs> sorry everyone but yes uh like subscribe join the community and leave a comment for us as well we see a lot of the comments uh coming in whether you agree disagree whether you like the show um all these kind of things let us know it's obviously great to hear and the link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on one of those audio platforms and you can follow us on twitter at underscore scott saunders at underscore rob underscore b and at promise and mu for the show we'll do today we'll do forest and we'll do a look ahead to reading uh, and chat about some players as well. There's some speculation about United bringing another player in on loan, but it's not really, you know, it, I think it depends on outgoings. Uh, maybe we'll leave that for another day when there's a bit more substance, if at all. Uh, there's just under a week left of the transfer window. I'm not expecting United to do anything else, but we'll see. Uh, let's let's start on the Forest game because it was a 3-0 win. Uh, let's start with the good bits first. Who do you want to go with? Uh, I've got... Casemiro was back in there. He got he actually had a bit of a, a, a tough game against Morgan Gibbs White. Uh, but obviously there was moments <coughs> where you just see how good Casemiro is. Lisandro Martinez got man of the match and can speak fluent English now as well. I've noticed that over the last couple of weeks. Uh he's doing you know, pretty well. That speaks well. Uh and Vout Veghorst getting his first goal, Marcus Rashford scoring a goal from which he picked up inside his own half. Where do you want to go with this, Rob? Well, let's start with Big Vout, because I think, again, he's the new boy, isn't he, at the football club and widely derided, as we said before, by press, opposition fans and a lot of Man United fans because he's six foot six. And why are you bringing in this sub world class forward when all we have to sign really is a world class number nine? That's not really what Ten Hag wants. But I think we're seeing in this very small window, in this little body of work that he's had since he's come to the football club exactly why you brought him to the team and why you will use him going forward. Obviously, there's bigger conversation, Scott, about whether Martial can can keep his fitness, and that's going to be a huge part of United's story, I think, for the next few months. But I think when you look at Veghorst, he's so good in the press, and he's technically a hundred times better than people think he is. And I kind of tried to push this point before we signed him. I was like, he's really good with his feet. Like I he watch does him. look awkward, doesn't he? He, he looks, looks awkward, awkward, but he looks awkward, but his control, 
he's up there with anyone in the team. Like the ball comes into him, fizzes into him, and he's got a delicate touch. He can touch it off one touch. He can bring it inside. He can and he plays proper football. That's what I like. You know, he's he's not a he's not a workhorse who just runs around and does nothing else. He actually can do the press, do the hard work, but he doesn't compromise you technically. And I think that's really important. Are you saying, Rob, the old classic, good touch for a big man? Good touch for a big man for Big Vout. Definitely. He's got a good touch for someone who's six foot six, uh, seven foot six, eight foot six. People seem to think he's growing every day um, is what it is. But I think uh, on the deck, it's so important that your striker can play football like a midfielder. Yeah, so when the ball comes to feet, you know, we talked a lot, <coughs> excuse me, about back to goal. And we've talked a lot about that some, at times. Can your striker do those things? Well, it's more important that when the ball's at feet, that they're not wasteful, that they can trap a ball and move it. No offence to the last striker, you know, a world-class goat of all time. But he was actually not that great at those things either. Like his control and touch weren't the best. And yes, you wanted him to get the ball in the box, but outside the box, you felt massively compromised by his game. I don't feel that about Vekos at all. I feel that he can pick the ball up anywhere in that, that half of the pitch and be useful. And we're seeing that. You know, I think he's playing more minutes than people expected. They thought he might play 20 or 30 here or there or be just an auxiliary striker. Or I think he's the well, starter as it stands just because of the way injuries have taken the team. Yeah, obviously, if Martial was fit, I think we'd be seeing less minutes for Veghorst. But you hmm. you touched on his ability to, you know, his ability with the ball at feet. He does have good striker's instinct, as evidenced in his goal as well. Uh, thinking faster than the opposition defenders, uh, if I, I I'm going to get panned for this, but a, a outrageous finish. Uh, <laughs> I I just found a way to you know. There's, there's so many puns you can make with his name. Uh, a brilliant finish, to be fair. Um, really good instinct. Really good. It was a one touch hit. Obviously, does Martial score that goal? I yeah. Does I Martial follow the ball in? Because I think that's the whole thing about striker's instinct, isn't it? It's not always what you do on the ball; it's what you do off it. And when that shot goes in, does any the striker only... United have score he... that? Does Marcus I, I, Rashford do that? No. Exactly, and I, and I think that's why you <clears> added him, just because he does different things. You have to have a much bigger canvas to paint your beautiful photo, photograph, what you're doing, your picture. And and it has to be all the little bits working together. So that goal was great because he followed it in. And as you said, technically, it's a difficult finish. It's coming at him fast. Yeah. He has to adjust his body. And and he makes easy work of it. It may, He makes it look easy, which is why I see the value in him more because I think he can do those things much better than Martial can. Yes, Martial is your... De facto number one at the top end of the pitch. If he was fit every week, you're going with him with uh, Veg as your kind of second player coming in off the bench. But I think at the moment, you know, big Vout, he's doing the job. I don't feel worried at all about his function in the team. One thing I do like about him as well is the way he, he just looks delighted to be there. You know, like I never thought I'd be good enough for this. And He's kind of there and he, he realizes like, oh, wow, I could never have dreamed of this in my, in my life going to a, a big club like United. And it feels like he's trying to take the opportunity with both hands. He knows he's got six months. I think he said he wants to stay longer mm. as well. Obviously, I think if you have pros other prospects going back to Burnley, then maybe you do. Um, 
no offense to Burnley, obviously, but they're, they're playing some good football and coming back up. But, you know, it's a different kettle of fish, isn't it? So I think that's one thing. I think it's a good attitude for him to have because maybe that rubs off on other players. But he, he looks delighted to be there. He wants to make an impression. He's always been known, I think, behind the scenes, we kind of did a little bit of due diligence on his personality. And he's been he's known as this guy that, that really believes in himself. And he he puts that into every training session. He puts that, he demands that of his teammates. That was actually part of the problem at Burnley when they were sinking. He wanted them to do different things, play different kind of football, be more technical. And of course they weren't. And they went down. That was the end of that. And he's out of the football club. So I think he's come to Man United to prove a point as opposed to what you're saying there about saying I'm not good enough. Because we've heard about him believing that he is a much better striker than people give him credit. And his pre-Burnley form did show that. Like he's one in two. In, two. Yeah, he's one in two in the Bundesliga. Like that's that's nothing to be sniffed at. So he's he's put the numbers in before. Can you imagine if he got one in three at United as the striker? Yeah, or even one in four. That's better than any striker's done at United for quite a long time. Like we know Cristiano can score, score four goals this season to be better than Ronaldo. There we go. So like I, I think for him the bar is low, but I think he sets the bar higher for himself. And I don't think he'll be trying to prove that he's better than Martial. He's just going to prove that when the ball comes to him, he's technically proficient and he can help the team. And I think we need more people like that in the squad who want to help the team. Because this is about growing this project at Man United. You know, if we want to compare us to Arsenal every day of the week, because Arsenal are top and we just lost to them. Arsenal have done that. They've brought in personalities that improve the technicality in a wider aspect. It makes them a technicolor football team now, rather than being one-dimensional. United is still a little bit one-dimensional on the ball, but it is improving. Like you said last week, Scott, it's so much better than what we saw last year. But I think off the ball, working hard, they work better as a unit than they ever have done before. What about uh, Marcus Rashford? Mm. Because that goal was, <clears throat> I suppose, a, a summary of the confidence levels that he feels right now. I know that I, obviously you've been to games recently, Rob. I've, I've mm. seen him this season as well. Looking bigger, stronger, leaner as well. Very quick, obviously. Foc the focus, he always does this. He's always pointing to, pointing to, the, pointing to his head. I don't know whether that's to say that he's focused on his game. Uh, he's on fire, isn't he? He's on fire. And like you just said, that 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 physicality, that muscle is in his game. And he's actually using it to his advantage now. So he's always been like a big boy, Marcus. Like, you know, he's always had a good physique and worked hard. Maybe over the years has been more, you know, when he was younger, more you know, slight individual, you know, it's more about pace and speed and whatnot. Now he is kind of the modern forward. He's got power. He's got pace. He's got technique. He, If, if you let him through that channel and let him run at you, he's going to kill you. That's what it is. And, and he's got that one dimensional aspect to his game. Now, I think <laughs> I, I said last night, I thought because of the Arsenal game where he scored that fantastic goal and it kind of got wiped away, didn't it? Because of what happened with the result and how the match went. I think he kind of, just wanted to repeat that last night. I wanted to show that I can do these goals standing on my head and look at my numbers. I think is that number 18 for the season? Is you it? know, 18 overall in all competitions. Marcus can score goals. And people were again saying, oh, we're really surprised by these numbers. I'm not surprised. I think he just had to get this right. He just had to get it right up here. And he's got the technique and the ability to be able to hurt teams. But uh, just a huge part of the Ten Hag project now, isn't he? He really is going to be 
one of those pieces at the top end of the pitch that you want to keep developing. New contract, obviously, on the way. We'll see what happens with that. The more Marcus plays like this, the more zeros are going to be on the end of that contract because other clubs are going to be knocking on the door for him. But I think he's happy at Man United. He's a Man Cune and he's a Man United fan. He loves the club. I think he's really showing that, that he can be the big growth factor at the top end of the pitch for Man United. Do you think you can get 20 Prem goals this season? He's on nine at the moment, halfway through. Yeah, totally. I, don't, I, th- I think the thing is with Marcus and what we've seen maybe in the past is that form can, can kind of fall off the cliff with him. Yeah, sometimes, like, did you see a few weeks, uh, a couple of weeks ago, he got that knock. And even in that game, you can see it compromises how he thinks and what he wants to do. Now, that wasn't the case against Forrest last night. But because he's one of those players that, that initiates contact, there's always someone close to him. He can get hurt. You know, he can be in those moments where defenders, you know, can clatter him. That might affect his form, but you can't worry about that. You've got to just say, carry on doing the game that you do. I think Ten Hag said about him a couple of weeks ago, it was like, you know, we've all got to suffer to win these football matches. So Marcus Rashford gets an injury in a game. He has to suffer and carry on. I like that because that's what's being drilled into the team. You can see that they're, they're putting their bodies on the line at the right moment. So let's see what happens with Marcus. I think he can be a, a kind of one in two guy. He can definitely be someone that scores regularly for you because you're telling him now to be more direct. You're telling him to get in the box. Whereas I think maybe under Ole, he would hang out wide a lot more and kind of maybe hide a little bit under Ole and certainly under Ranić he, he hid a lot. I think now he's got more responsibility on his shoulders. I think he's enjoying that. Considering FPL triple captain next round, I don't know. He's in my team. I don't he's know. In my team. I don't know whether you have to use it on Haaland this season, but you know, I haven't used it yet. People, I, I know that there was a lot of uh, swell for people using triple captain on Haaland. Did you do that, Rob, recently? The, the Haaland triple captain for the City and Spurs games? No, Spurs? I, no I'm saving it because I, I'm uh, kind of 150,000th in the world. It's the top 0.1%, not bragging. But I'm saving it because at the end of the season, I want that little pop. You know, City get a double game week. And say City are chasing the title where they just have to win games, it doesn't really matter. Because I think at the moment, that's been a problem for them. Uh, I think they're kind of finding themselves. If they get towards the end of the campaign, they're chasing Arsenal with a double game week. You want Haaland on a, on a cap, double cap seat. I'm not going to put that pressure on Marcus's shoulders. I'm going to say, go out there, Marcus. Don't worry about my FPL team. Go out there and help Man United. Yeah, score some goals for us. Help us win. Yeah, maybe we'll do an FPL league next season. But like for, one for the one for the listeners. We'll see. Uh, we do. I've got my own one for Twitter. We've got we've got about 900 plays in it. And uh, I think I'm 36 at the moment. So I'm happy with that. But uh, it's good to do FPL ones. Obviously, everyone loves FPL now. You know, in a different way to maybe we did five or 10 years ago. People are much more focused on other players' numbers than they ever were before. Yes, yeah, but let's go back to Forrest. Um, <laughs> we have two criticism sections. <laughs> Uh, for let's, balance, let's, let, for balance, let's let's do Anthony first because I I think obviously everybody's seen the criticism that Anthony's getting. Yeah, I understand where people are coming from. I just think it's so overblown. Personally, it's obviously he cost he could have cost half the price if United have bought him at the start of the summer than he cost at the end of the summer. Mm. Uh, you know that that's United's fault. 
Yes, he's predictable. He is predictable. He's very left-footed. Obviously, you can always see what, exactly what he wants to do. Often slows up attacks. I know there was, there was times last night where I, got, I kind of got frustrated with him because United like broke away a little bit. It would go to Anthony and then he would travel forward, get into the final third and then decide to cut inside and slow everything up and allow players to get back. Um, missed a good chance as well, but that was a nice, w- nicely worked move, save from Wayne Hennessy. Do you know what I think? I think Anthony is suffering a little bit from not having a type of Valtbeck or striker for longer than three games. Because I was watching, I'm, I'm such a great, a great scout. I was watching a YouTube comp of Anthony <laughs> a while back. <laughs> yeah, all, all his all his contributions to goals uh, before yeah. he joined United. And a lot of them were from Ajax, where he would do this thing where he would travel down the right line, right side, cut back inside, and ping across like kind of diagonally mm. to Sebastian Haller. Yeah, at Ajax, and a lot of his goals and assi- well, a lot of his assists came that way. And obviously, we know the way that Anthony likes to score goals; it's kind of picking it up in that same position and having a shot instead of a cross. Obviously, when you have Martial or when you have Rashford, you don't have that same threat from those kind of crosses. Um. He needs to develop his right foot. Yeah. I don't think anybody will say that he doesn't. But I, I think it's I think it's a bit overblown personally. What do you think? It's massively overblown. And it's it's overblown because again, when you add up all the bits and pieces and put the Lego bricks together, it's what you build out of that, isn't it? Like as you go forward. Um, I think you're totally right about the striker. You know, like uh, again, when you look at the Haller comparisons, <clears throat> Haller's six foot three, but it's not about having a big man at the top. It's just having someone occupy the space. So it gives the winger or the wide player a, a better picture about what's going on. United have not had that since he came to the club. I think the other key factor for any wide player, especially when you're an inverted forward, is who overlaps you? Who is overlapping you and pulling that play to that side so you can take advantage on your left foot? So this is the long-term game plan for Man United. So Delo does it better than Wambasaka, we know that on that function. I don't think Delo does it fantastically. He's not some kind of Kieran Trippier type of fullback who will constantly get into the, the winger position to help the winger out to be able to come inside. Not that kind of player, but is much more kind of more attacking centric. And I think that's where you'll see the development of Anthony. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc it is not his fault that man united are still not fantastic about these things he's part of the development but he's not the problem so i think for him yeah with the big price tag everyone's like oh well i think last night it said 
oh, well, he doesn't get assists. He's got zero assists, which is like, you know, one less than this terrible player who plays for this terrible team. It's like, oh, my God, give up. Do you know what I mean? So I think like last night where, where obviously uh, Big Vout gets his goal, that actually comes from Anthony, doesn't it? Coming in, checking in on the left and doing what Ten Hag is telling him to do. He has a shot and we need to see more of that. And I think he will be better with with Vout inside and a proper fullback on the outside. So if you want to call that Delo, you can call it Delo. But you can see that Wamsak struggles with that. That's a part of his game that technically he's just not good at. And when you get that right as time goes forward, I think we'll see a better Anthony. I'm patient with him. I think, you know, he's young. Yes, he costs a lot of money. But the Riyad Murray's comparisons, which I've been hearing, are really, really pertinent because Murray's used to be, I can only come in on mm-hmm. my left. You know, I won a title at Leicester doing it. Why should I change? And Guardiola went, you need to change or you sit on my bench. I think Anthony will go through that process. He just needs to be able to, he just needs to have a trick on the outside, go outside and pull that play. But then do you know what, Scott? The number 10 and the position in the middle, they have to help him as well by kind of either creating diversions or helping him get that little bit more extra space so he can do some more one-on-one stuff. Yeah, you, you mentioned Mahrez. There was a goal against Spurs that he scored the other week, mm. uh, which was, it might have been the, the goal that put City ahead. I can't I can't exactly remember what it was. Um, but he kind of showed that he was going to use his left foot, dragged it, and then just blasted it with his right. I think Hugo Lloris should have saved it. But that that kind of unpredictability, because if you know that you're always going to go this one way all the time, then I think defenders will eventually understand that that's the way you're going to go all the time and be able to stop it. So you need to just add in a curveball, right? And even totally. if you use it once or twice, <laughs> it gives the defenders something extra to think about. It's like basketball players, you know, what's in your bag, you know, because your opponent thinks if you've got 20 things in your bag, they're worried about how they defend you. And I think it's the same with Anthony. The more predictable you become, the less of a threat you are, the less chance you are going to improve your metrics in those areas. So you're right. I think if he if he can go on the outside even just once or twice in a game, that changes everything for him. So he can learn that. You know, he's very left-footed in the same way that some players over the years have been very left-footed. When you used to play left wing on your left footed, people were like, well, that's fine. But when you play on the right wing, everyone's like, oh, you need to be able to go outside. Even though, let's be honest, most forwards don't go on the outside anymore. It's up to fullbacks to give you whip. So he just needs, I think, a little bit more help and a little bit more development. I'm very patient with him. I'm quite, quite pleased with his overall performances, like for a new player coming to the football club. But look how Jaden Sancho struggled. He's been at the club for a long time now and still hasn't been able to show his best form. It takes time at Man United. It's a difficult scenario for young players to come into because the expectations are so big. This is this is now the section entitled Rob's Bruno Fernandes Dilemma because I'm just going to say, me personally, I understand it, but I, I've kind of come to... I'm I'm cool with it. I know this is this is what Bruno Fernandez is, but Rob was quite frustrated with Bruno Fernandez against Nottingham Forest. So I'll let, I'll let you go with it. Go with it. Right. I love Bruno Fernandez. Let's start with that. Right. I love him in the box, around the box. Fantastic. I always said that I think he could develop into one of the best false nines in the world because I think around the box, his sensibility for scoring goals and assisting is fantastic. And that was all great under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. We're in a different time now. This is a different football team with different objectives. Keeping the ball and being shrewd with what you do on the ball is going to be the story of whether Man United are a decent team, like a Tottenham floating around top four, and that's your aspiration. If you want to go to the next level, 
you've got to think Odegaard, you've got to think De Bruyne. That's the level that our number 10 needs to be at on the ball. Getting, getting really good metrics, scoring the ball is not the whole story. With Bruno Fernandes, and I think we saw this last night, and I think we see it in multiple games, and I think we're seeing Ten Hag respond to this, is that when he plays as the number 10 in either 4-2-3-1 or this kind of 4-1-5 shape, which we saw last night again, you see Ericsson steps out of the pocket, they make that five, that's the press. What we're seeing with Bruno Fernandes is that on the ball in the centre of the park, he is bobbins. He's not good enough. So I, I totally agree with you, Scott. Like it, it, it won't worry people until you start losing, because that's always the way. So under Ole, no one was worried about it until you started losing loads of games. And you kind of go, it's not his fault, but he has to be more responsible. Scott, he's the captain of this team. He's the captain now. He has to lead better than this. So we know he likes a moan at referees. That's fine. We know he likes to fall over and roll around. That's fine. I don't care about those things. Be better at your job. So when the ball is at your feet, don't lose it. And last night, he nearly cost United a goal. We saw that. We've seen that many times before. And when he's in the middle of the park, I think Ten Hag's big decision now for six months ahead is, do you want a number 10 like Ericsson that doesn't give the ball away and helps the forwards? Or do you want a number 10 whose ego maybe is above the team? Because that's how I look at it. I think if you were a bit less egotistical and a bit more mindful, you don't lose those five or 10-yard balls. People will be saying to me, he's a maverick. That's why it is. No. Eric Cantona was a maverick and he was a maverick and it worked. It worked for him. I don't know if it works for Bruno. The stats say that he's really good in the box and I love him there. In the box, be a maverick. Don't be a maverick on the halfway line. Don't be a maverick in front of your back four. Don't be a maverick in the wing position. Uh, I think we're seeing Ten Hag push Bruno to the right quite a bit. We're seeing Anthony invert and we're seeing Ericsson come forward. That is going to be the tactical story of Man United in the weeks ahead. We're going to see Christian Eriksen play the 10 function more than Bruno Fernandes. Hashtag Rob's rant. Get in touch. Was it a rant? Was it a rant or was yeah. that was that kind of a, a kind Me- of... Measured, measured analysis. From, measured from, analysis of a footballer that I do really like, but actually has to be better. Like, And I think he's got a bigger ceiling than, than maybe he makes out. You know, he needs to be more of a ball player. And do you not think, Scott, that he loses the ball cheaply, like re- re- yeah, repeatedly every week? Like, of course. I, but I think if you, I suppose the counter argument is that if you kind of, yes, maybe Bruno Fernandes does need to evolve his game a little bit more to give it away a little bit less, but that's always the type of player he's been. I remember they were United fans moaning that they didn't sign Bruno Fernandes six months before they should have, mm. or before they did, because they had reservations about his par- passing accuracy. And mm-hmm. people were like, Pass and accuracy. Come on, we want a new, we want a shiny new player. And then it turns out Bruno Fernandez joins, and the the, the upturn uh, in the January after he signed under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was just obviously clear to see. Uh, but it's a different style now. It's a different. Uh, Eric Ten Hag will want more control. He always talks mm-hmm. about control, and I think when you're doing Hollywood passes and the the chances are fifty fifty, you know, uh, often yeah. does leave you. A little bit vulnerable. See, I'm not too worried about the, you know, inadvertent commas Hollywood passes, because I think sometimes you have to be brave to make those passes. I'm talking about his five-yard game. So when the ball is popped into his feet, don't do a little flick and let the ball go out of play because then you lose position. You know, when you're in the middle, when you're in that centre circle and you're trying to get the ball from Casemiro, don't be the guy where it all breaks down at, because that's what the problem is. The problem isn't his flair. The problem's not that. The problem is his discipline. 
So if you're a good player, like I, I'm going to use the Odegaard and De Bruyne comparisons because that's the standard. Odegaard's a young player who's proving he can play elite level football and take his team to the top of the table. Bruno Fernandes wants to be that guy that takes United to the very top. He's got to be better at these things. Scoring goals does not cut it. It's not just what it's about. You can score a goal last night. It was a good goal, wasn't it? A good finish. You know, that's what I like about Bruno. Coming in as almost like a second striker onto the edge of the box. He's cracking at that. He's really good. But he's got to go away and look at De Bruyne, look at Odegaard and say, that's my position. I have to do what these guys are doing and score my goals and get my metrics. He's a little bit selfish in that. I think that he he wants to be the world-class central midfielder, you know, the attacking midfielder, the number 10. Just do the basics right. You know, do the basics right and we're happy. And I think he needs to do that more. I think we're seeing why he's going to the wide right, why we've been pushed out there. That's not his best position, is it, on the, on the pitch, Scott? But he's going there because I think Ten Hag's mitigating losing the ball in the centre of the park. And Christian Eriksen has slowly but surely become a six to an eight to a ten and moving further up the pitch. I thought Eriksen was outstanding last night, quietly, just does his job, passes the ball around, keeps you moving in the right direction. And I think he covered up a lot of Casemiro's deficiencies last night on the ball. Let us know if you uh, if, if Rob's onto something. Let us let us know if you disagree with Rob. Uh, always whichever whichever side of the fence you sit. It's on. fine. If yeah. you want to sit on the fence, also leave a comment for us as well. Get in touch uh, because it's a it's a talking point. It's a it's a divisive talking point. I know that Rob, you had some responses when you tweeted it that were positive and some that were no, you're an idiot. These kind of yeah. things. So that kind but, of thing. Oh, be that's, be that's nice, Twitter. by the way. Be nice. Nice. It's nice to be nice and there's no need to, to be insulting, but who cares? Like uh, It's Twitter at the end of the day, isn't it? So <clears throat> it's what people do on it. But now I just think for Bruno, he is going to be one of those players that I think runs out of oxygen as the weeks and months go ahead. So if he keeps losing the ball in that part of the park, there is no way this manager sticks with him. Manager will go out and find a number 10 that can do that job. That's just the truth. I don't think Eric uh, Ten Hag suffers fools gladly. He's a captain at the moment. He wears the armband because that's a natural choice. But can you see a future Scott where maybe Casemiro is the captain next year and the United go and buy number 10? Rob's rant hashtag. That's a big Rob's rant there to our producer, Harry. Like, wow. You know, am I going to have to put that as a hashtag on Twitter now? I'm probably going to have to, aren't I? <laughs> We're going to oh, have to dear. get this cut. It was, it, Harry, it was like 25 minutes that this started. So um, I don't know where <laughs> we can cut it off. We'll have to post that. Uh, I could do like a 90 minute show on all the technical aspects of Bruno Fernandes' game. And that's how bad it can be at times. But, uh, you know, look, Bruno, just be a bit better and just make sure that you're, you're not the guy that loses the ball all the time in the centre of the park. Because I think it's a bit embarrassing. If you're going to be with the big dog and you're the captain you can't give the ball away. You're just not like you are. And it's too expensive in this current climate. You've got to be more Odegaard. You've got to be more De Bruyne. You mentioned about Bruno's engine and mm. running out of gas and this kind of thing. T- takes us on nicely to the topic I wanted to talk about because United play Reading at the weekend mm. in the FA Cup. And then there's a home game with Forrest next Wednesday. I think United have... I know Ten Hag doesn't like to rotate. But you look at the calendar, the game every three days for a long time. Yeah. And inevitably, there might be moments where players have to be rested. You saw Marcus Rashford come off after about 55, 56 minutes last night. What do you think? How do you think Ten Hag will approach? Just, let's talk about Reading first, obviously, because I think it's fair to say, barring a miracle, that's job done in the League Cup. 
uh, and United can probably entirely rotate and probably still get through and save some save some engine, save some energy. What do you think he'll do against Reading? Because obviously the FA Cup is another competition he'll want to win. Totally. And I, I think that it, it's again about, as we described it, and I think Ten Hag called it last night, natural rotation. <clears throat> Meaning in the sense that rather than making big grand gestures of changing eight, nine, ten players and kind of putting your second team out there, which does leave you a bit vulnerable technically, it's just those natural movements. So I think when you look at it, kind of Martial, he might even come back into the team. So that's kind of a bit of rotation. You know, you'd be all right with him playing at the top end. Uh, I think when you look at kind of the wider positions, do you put Rashford on the bench? Do you maybe just kind of give people a rest? That will be the idea. Do you see Maguire come back in at some point? Do you know what I mean? There are there are options there for the manager that are not great big leaps of faith. You know, again, does Wan-Bissaka now after five, six, seven games in a row need to go back to the bench just to kind of calm it all down a little bit? I don't think we're going to see tons of enforced rotation. I think it will just be a solid base of the team, seven, eight starters, and maybe two, three changes. You might even see Jack Butland end up in goal, maybe for a first game or something like that. But I don't think it's going to be dramatic. I think he still he still feels that he's got to go and get the job done against Reading. The last thing you need is to let Reading come, and as I call it, punch you in the face, and then you get knocked out to a team like Reading. Suddenly your, your bubbles burst, isn't it? You want to keep that that balloon pepped up, and I think we'll still see a relatively strong team. We'll talk about the Reading game and look ahead to Forest next week. Uh, obviously, I think we're expecting here whichever team United put out in these games that it should be relatively straightforward business. And maybe Marcus Rashford. I think Garnacho is like chomping at the bit, right? To kind of get a start. Maybe we'll hopefully see him play. And he got um, 35 minutes last night. So see, that's yeah. the difference. That's the rotation, isn't it? Is that if you feel you can do it without hurting the team, you do the rotation. But if you feel that technically you lose something, that's the problem with the squad depth. Yes, indeed. Uh, let us know what uh, lineup you'd like or which players you'd like to see rested for the Reading game or for the Forest game. Do you if know any, got, or should they got, just should go we talk, Should we talk as well? Just we talk about this rotation. Should we talk a little bit about Palestri? Because I think I it's interesting. Think, uh, I was thinking of that, but yeah, sure, if you want. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because he's getting minutes now. And, you know, we just talked about the Bruno Fernandes technicality issues and all of this and what you're trying to do. I'm not saying for one minute, minute that Palestri is better than Bruno. Absolutely not. Like, no way. But when you're looking at that front three and, and like moving up there, if you're playing a 4 3 3, seems to be that this lad. It's getting minutes now. Will he be at the football club much longer? I don't know. They are exploring loans. But is he one you keep? You know, I wanted to ask you that. I think United want to keep him. Uh, but I think his representatives... I think I saw a quote from his agent last mm. week saying he's, what, 20, 21? And this yeah. is a lad who needs regular football. Mm. I've seen Valencia linked. I saw Flamengo linked. I don't think a European loan would be the worst thing for him. But at the same time, Ten Hag was asked about like what he offers the team. He said verticality, I think. Uh, obviously, there was that one moment where he took the ball with his right, gained a yard, crossed it in, and whipped, he whipped it into Valverkost. Uh, mm. He couldn't get the header right. But <clears throat> there was another moment where it was like the worst seven seconds you could possibly imagine where he... Uh, he get the penalty uh, away. Lost the ball. <laughs> and he, yeah. he passed the ball back to, to a Forest player chased it back and then nearly gave a penalty away. It was just, yeah. I think it's inexperienced though, right? Of course. Um, I mean, 
I think he would be a useful option to keep. I keep him over Alanga, maybe even. Uh, if if one of them was to go, I'd probably keep Palestri over over Alanga. But you know, uh, they have to make that decision, don't they? Obviously, they got Jaden Sancho to come back in, but Palestri is. Uh, he came in with a big reputation from from Uruguay, you know, mm. and he's just never really been seen. Was picked up relatively cheap, and has always had good potential. We've never really seen him play for United, so maybe he can surprise a few people. Yeah, like I think this is where managers have to decide with a player about if a loan really is in the best interest of your club. So I do think that his agents are trying to get him out of Man United. We know this. It's kind of just, it's been a, a common theme with him for a little while. And there were obviously going to be takers because he's a really good young player. But I think in-house development is underrated. You know, having someone train with you all the time and learning your system and learning what you want from them is something that Ten Hag needs to do at, this, at Man United. Because I think in years gone by, we may be deferred that and we went oh we'll just send them out on loan that's all right and we've got 14 players and that's good and then he comes six it's like well that's not working is it i think with palestri there's definitely some upside to him and i think that he fits ten hag football i think if you want to play a 433 in in the weeks and months ahead if he's off your bench he can be a really useful energetic option i think mm-hmm. the issue is on the back foot you saw that against forest where it's an experience he gets done on one side almost gives a penalty away, almost a completely disastrous moment. But you get away with it, put it to bed, don't worry about it, carry on. You just said they like, maybe loan out Alanga. Well, Alanga gets the assist for Bruno last night, shows that he can give you pace through the middle as another option. So not the greatest player in the world, but I don't want to see any of these these boys go out on loan if we're a team aspiring to be in the top four. You need I, numbers. I, that's probably what I would say. I prefer neither of them. To go I away. think that's got to I think that will possibly be the way it goes. Whereas I think, you know, even we look at Wambasaka, isn't it? Like three, four weeks ago, people were saying get him out on loan. We all were like, you know, get him out on loan, sell him, maybe get 10, 15, 20 million back. Two, three, four weeks later, Delost still injured after the World Cup. And you're kind of saying, shouldn't really lose him at this moment. We need those numbers and we need someone who can do that function in that position. So I look at Palestri and I still think that United's attack needs more rounding. And I think that he can give you energy there. Maybe not like Garnacho. Garnacho's more of a guy who can go on the outside, but Palestri's got a really good brain. And I think that he can almost give you minutes off the bench for Bruno. Like if you want to rest Bruno at times, or Bruno, Bruno needs a game on the bench. We can say, Bruno, you lost the ball 37 times today. We're going to give Palestri a go and you're going to come on as his. Rob Trump part two, hashtag. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a rant. It's not a rant. <laughs> does, does Ten Hag rant all the time at his team? Does it? Well, he probably does, actually. He, we've heard that he does use some blue language in training. But um, but yeah, I, I just think you need those options. And I think that I think I think Palestri gives you a different kind of option. And maybe next year that if you want to keep him and he's not part of your rotations, and yes, you go and give him a year's loan at 21, 22 years old. But I like him. You know, I think look at Amid Diallo's uh, away from the club. I think Diallo's going to come like a better player and prove that loans do work in that context. But I think when you're in the middle of a season, there's no need to kind of just let him go when you actually need that kind of player there. Maybe we'll talk about Diallo on another show. He's obviously been doing really, really well for Sunderland in the last few weeks. Yeah. Uh, but we'll he wrap could up be there. your 10. He could be your number 10 going forward. Like he has got that about his game. I'm not saying, again, different to Bruno, but if you want a number 10 that's maybe more focused on pace and being able to run the channels and do the passing. We'll do that show in future for you all. We'll wrap it there as well. Yeah, United have uh, taken one foot 
to the Carabao Cup final at Wembley. Looking like they might play Newcastle. Should be a good final. But um, don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. Obviously, come on, Southampton. Leg. There's another leg. And yeah, come <laughs> on, Southampton. That would be that would be fun. But yes, uh, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes. And you can watch us twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays on YouTube. This has been hashtag Rob's rant. Uh, sorry, the, the promised land, uh, a show about Manchester United. So please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Like, uh, leave a comment, join the community, uh, and share as well. Tell your, tell your mates about us. If it is the United supporting mates that you think might enjoy this, uh, let them know that we're, we're doing this thing. And uh, the link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on an audio platform as well. And you can find us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise Land MU for the show. Any final word, Rob? I love Bruno. <laughs> That's my final word. <laughs> Fantastic. Let us know if you love Bruno as well or if you agree with Rob's rant. Done uh, from love, Bruno. You're Bruno. Don't lose the ball. Constructive drop criticism. It Basically, is yeah, constructive criticism. Use your feet better, mate. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you soon for another Promised Land Manchester United pod. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.